A decision to save someone's life led to the greatest adventure. Broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio at the Gas South Convention Center in Duluth, Georgia, it's time to design your life on Status Life with Lita. Status Life with Lita is presented by Derek Hayes Law at 404-777-HERT. And by Five Strands Affordable Testing. Invest in your health at fivestrands.com. And hello and welcome to Status Life with Lita on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the beautiful Gas South District Convention Center. Lita has over 20 years working as an interior designer. She's now a full-fledged lifestyle expert, podcaster, and blogger. And Status Life with Lita will take you on a journey of faith, life, travel, and interior design. Lita's mission is to bring her knowledge and fun teaching ability to help each of us design a life we love. I am not Derek Hayes for the first time ever in the history of the show. Derek is not here. That's right. I'm Mike Salmon just filling in, just trying to tee you up, but... Derek is not here, so we're not going to have, what, coughing every 10 seconds no, or so? No, Derek is home with the flu, oh, and that's goodness. why this is, we are in season four now, uh, and yes, so in four seasons of this show, he was very disappointed to not be here, but this is the first time uh, he is homesick. Well, Derek, get well soon. Before we get started, a quick reminder that Status Life with Lita is brought to you by Five Strands Affordable Testing. Gain personalized insights on how your body interacts with your diet and lifestyle patterns. All they need is five strands of hair, and you'll receive personalized results to help you reach your health and wellness goals. Visit fivestrands.com to learn more. The show is also brought to you in part by Derek Hayes Law. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to Derek Hayes Law at 404-777-HERTS. All right, Lita, are you ready? I am ready. I'm excited about today's show. Why? You got anything special yeah, going on? Yeah, I always have something special. I always you know, pull the greatest things that are going in my life. I always say that makes the best show is the content that I'm going through each and every month. Oh, and yeah. You're an open book. I am an open book. Yes. I've had some fantastic feedback about that recently. Um, the Five Strands Affordable Testing, uh, the CEO, Austin, was on the show. Yeah. And after the last show, he kind of pulled me aside and said, no one's doing what you're doing. No one puts themselves. A lot of people are teaching and talking about how to do things and being an expert. But no one is actually being the guinea pig. And he said, I, I like it. I respect it. And I tune in every time you have a show because I just I can't get enough. And well, I thought, that's, a, that's it right there. That's amazing. And we've got some news regarding our next season, season five, because mm -hmm. you're, <laughs> you're taking that whole guinea pig thing to a whole new level. Whole new level. But tell us about the latest chapter in your book now. All right. For all my Status Life with Lita listeners... Even if you don't have any connection to organ donation or specifically summiting volcanoes, today's show is what this podcast is all about. We are going to share amazing stories of adventure. We're going to talk about health and wellness. We're going to talk about overcoming fears. These are big topics on the show if you've been following. And Mike just teased it. We're going to talk about what's next for the blog and the Status Life with Lita podcast. I have a brand new focus and I think you're going to love it. All right, if you've been listening to the entire fourth season, you've heard Derek and I talk about my kidney donor athlete's adventure to Guatemala. 
Derek never let a show pass where he didn't talk all about it. Even some of the shows where I said, we can't go into this so much, right? We, we got to get to the show. Well, he was just so proud he of He was so proud, and he is now. Uh, he just made me talk about it, which I love. I would never shy away from it. But if we had content or a guest, you know, I would, I would want to get through it pretty quick. We brought KDA president Natalie Noose. We did a whole show about the adventure and about her kidney donation story. Uh, about the upcoming adventure. So if this is your first time tuning in, I was preparing to summit three volcanoes in Guatemala with 18 other kidney donors from across the USA. Well, today we are taping at the end of December, which means I've completed the challenge. Yep. Way to go, Lita. Way I know. To go. Thank you. All right. So for today's show, I've brought my new friend and fellow kidney donor, Chris Sullivan, to the show. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Now, Chris, I'm just going to tell our listeners, you are not in studio. We are taping in Atlanta, and you are living, you live in Denver. That is correct. Yes. All right, so Chris and I met for the first time in Guatemala. And Chris, am I correct that you are KDA, kidney donor athlete? You are the vice president this year? I am. Okay. I am the vice president of kidney donor athletes. Okay, and you're set to take over as president next year. Natalie is our current president. Is that correct? That is okay. correct. That's Natalie's really... done a fantastic job, and she has one more year in her term. I just love Natalie. And I even love more that when we did this, she gave me all her gear. Remember, I was bragging <laughs> about that all week. Natalie gave me everything she had. All right, Chris, I want to start with you, and I want to dig into your kidney donation story. So start with what year did you donate, and who was your recipient? Yeah, so I donated the end of September 2020. Uh, I am what is known as a non-directed donor. So I don't know my recipient. And um, I was moved by a, a short news piece that I happened to catch the end of in late 2018. Um, and it it basically prompted me to donate. And I had never thought about donating, didn't know anything about it. It was just one of those really just very earth-shaking moments for me that I remember looking at my wife saying, I'm doing that. And I began the process. Um, I was stalled out. I had to actually go through the testing twice um, because of COVID and some other things that um, it lasted about a year and a half before I finally was able to donate. So go back to when you told your wife you were doing this. What was her reaction? Um, we've been married for 27 years. She knows me pretty well. And she looked at me and she said, good for you. I love um, that. The, yeah, it's just the kind of person she is. Oh, um, wow. She knows I, I tend to run on the edge a little bit and, and like adventure and to do things. And when I set my mind something, I'm going to do it. Um, I had nothing but 100% support from my wife and my kids. My mom, slightly different story. So my story is a touch different in that regard, which is why I wanted you to answer that question. Because I had support, but I had a lot of reluctance. There were a lot of people in my life. My children were very young at the time. And so it was more, are you sure? What's it going to do to you? How are you going to feel? You know, it was just those questions where they kind of pause. The question mark kind of goes, really? You know, yeah. and you can hear by the way they say it. It's, it's concern. So reluctance yeah. and concern. But again, full support. And I'm probably like you in this way when I set my mind to do something. There is no stopping me. And my recipient was my father. We've talked about that a lot on the show. Uh, so of course, when you know someone and it's your loved one and you know it, it 
was going to save my father's life. So there was no question for me. So kudos to you and your wife. I love that story. I want to talk about your physical fitness. So were you physically fit before the donation? And did you have any worries that your fitness level would change after donation? Yeah, so I, you know, it's one of the reasons I donated is I have been blessed with really good health, uh, good genes. I've also always been an endurance athlete. I have a, you know, resume of triathlons and marathons and long distance uh, biking events. So being fit was really not an issue. I've always been uh, in good shape. And so I didn't worry too much about that. And, and I, after I did some research, after I saw the news piece, I kind of came to an internal um, deal or agreement with myself that you know, okay, if I can pass the testing, then that's really going to be the test for me is if I pass all the medical and psychological tests, which as you know, are pretty rigorous, then this is really meant to be. Um, so I went into it in good shape. And, you know, there was a concern, you know, what is this going to do to me post donation? And then I did some research. And that's when I found KDA. And it's one of the things that, you know, we do at kidney donor athletes is, we support those who are considering donation and we're showing the world that was really part of the Guatemala climb and these one kidney climbs that, you know, post donation, you can do everything you did before. And in some cases, there are a lot of people who probably would never have considered climbing three volcanoes in Guatemala if they hadn't donated a kidney. I can say I wouldn't have. That's, yeah. That absolutely applies to me. Um, yeah. And learning about kidney donors. Uh, and yes, and everything we can do. And that it's, it's been transformational. So you donated, you were in great shape before you donated. Talk about now. Uh, what's your fitness level now? And this Status Life with Lita, we definitely dig into a lot of health and wellness. And with Derek on the show, producer Mike is always here. I always use them as the guinea pigs. Uh, so I want you to talk about your weekly routine, and then I'm going to ask an even deeper question there. So tell yeah, us sure. about your fitness level now post-donation, and what does a, a week of fitness look like for you? Yeah, so post-donation, one of the things that, that I went into donation healthy, and all the doctors pretty much said, hey, you're in great shape. All you need to do is continue with what you were doing. So don't change anything. Continue to eat well, continue to exercise, work out. So a week for me, um, I am right now, uh, I tend to cycle through different phases. Right now I'm in a CrossFit phase and I have been for the last probably five years. So I am a, a level two CrossFit certified instructor. I coach CrossFit on the side. And then I try to go three to four times a week where I'm actually doing CrossFit uh, I also try to get outside. I live in Denver, um, just in the, the the foothills, beautiful surroundings. So I try to get out and take advantage of that. I'm an avid hiker, uh, mountain biker. And then, you know, just whatever comes around. I, I like to swim both open water and in the pool. So I will vary my workouts and add things in there. But for me, it's about three or four days a week. I am doing some type of a regimented, regimented workout for anywhere from one to three hours. It just depends. And you know, I also coach uh, three classes a week, which I love that coaching element of basically sharing my fitness mantra and health with uh, my athletes. With that being your lifestyle, I would make the assumption that you're a very healthy eater, probably very conscious of what you put into your body, if you're very conscious of how you take care of your body. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, that's something that I will credit my mother with. I grew up 
with a mother who really unbeknownst to her, she didn't follow any regiment other than she really was very conscious about just what is healthy, staying away from processed foods. And so I grew up with that. And I know there's a lot of people out there who didn't have that. And, and it's something that people deal with. So I also do some nutrition coaching on the side, um, just for certain select people who, who ask me for some help. And so it's really, you are what you eat. I'm a really a, a believer in that. And it makes all the difference. So eating healthy is really the foundation for a healthy lifestyle. Did your doctor post donation or actually it would probably have been the day that you were talking about where you went in for all the extensive testing. Did they put any restrictions on you as far as saying, okay, you've done these triathlons, you've done, you know, you have this huge resume of fitness post donation, you need to lay off this or you can't complete this amount of mileage. Did you have any physical restrictions coming from the transplant team? Yes, they said I needed to end my professional football career. Oh. <laughs> so knowing that I'm 150 pounds soaking wet, um, that's a joke because there was no professional football career. So the answer is no. Uh, contact sports are about the only thing. I don't do contact sports, so there are no limitations. Uh, I was not told um, to stop running or mileage. In fact, I was told, keep doing what you're doing. You know, keep, you know, and that's really, once again, the message is, Life doesn't change post-donation. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. You eat healthy. You maintain a healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, obviously hydrate, stay focused on that. And it was basically business as usual. So we're going to dive in deep here with the kidney donor athletes as an organization and our mission. Um, but I want you to answer real quick. So I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, whether it's a lot of women that listen to my show and they take these snippets and bring them to their husbands. Again, we've brought lots of health and wellness experts on, and I definitely consider you, Chris, to be a health and wellness expert. So as a, a man in his 50s, as a guest on this show, I want to ask you for some advice for any men or women listening, how do they kickstart, right? You're, you're in, this is your entire lifestyle, but we have a lot of people listening to this to figure out where do I even begin? And I just want you to say, all right, if I'm asking you this as a question, what's your best advice for someone who's struggling with weight gain, with sluggish, with brain fog, with all the things in their 50s? And That's a hard place to start. That's, that's, yeah. you know, you're not in your 20s, 30s, you know, where the metabolism is working with you. You're in a whole different phase of life. So yeah. give me give so, me the answer to that. What's your best advice? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So there's really two, two pieces to that for me. One is I'm a firm believer in 1%. Don't try to conquer the whole thing at once. 1% every day. One small step every day. And day after day, you will get there. Um, I think it's important to put a plan in place, but make it realistic. So small little steps and you'll get there. The, you know, the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. It's the same situation here. And the other is talk about it. You are so much more um, going to have success when you talk and or write it down. So do both. Write it down and talk about it. When you put it out there in the public forum... Now you're held to a different level of accountability. I am going to do this by the end of this year. And you put it out there and you talk about it. And it's amazing how when you look at what actually comes true, it's the things you talk about and write down. Those are the ones that happen. Was, that, was that question, Lita, addressed for Derek and myself? 
a man in their fifties. <laughs> yeah. How do they start kickstart their health and wellness? You you had an eye on Derek and myself. You know I do. <laughs> in that question, yeah. and every you, other man who comes and gives me the feedback, I get so much out of this. I'm just like Derek. You know, I, yes, a hundred percent. So that's why you have to ask it. I love the interview you're having with Chris. I'd like to ask Chris one question. You mentioned the support you received when you decided to do the kidney um, donation, especially from your loving wife. But you said your mother was a different story. What was your mom's concerns? Yeah, so I think it was a, a lot like Lita, you know, concern, are you sure? Um, and this is from a, a standpoint of not knowing. Um, most people just don't understand. They think it is a major surgery. Yes, you're having an organ removed. I understand that. But the, the, the perception is, oh, your life is going to change, or you're going to be some type of invalid, or you're not going to be able to do certain things. And so, you know, that was the initial response from her. And I think that's probably what a lot of you think about. And then after talking to her and explaining, and then when she saw the community and all the good that came out of it in terms of on the recipient side, and, you know, I started a, a four-person chain, and then also what it's done for my life, she's come 180 degrees. You know, she is now one of my biggest supporters. That's amazing. All right, we'll continue the conversation Lita's having with Chris Sullivan with Kidney Donor Athletes after we take this time out. Tired of experiencing bloating, eczema, diarrhea, or weight problems? Get to the root cause of your dietary discomforts with five strands affordable testing. No need to schedule time off work. Just collect and send in five strands of your hair to see how intolerant your body is responding to over 600 common food items. Intolerance reactions are not life-threatening like allergies, but are responsible for most daily discomforts. Achieve your dietary and lifestyle goals by visiting 5strands.com and ordering your at-home collection kit today. Hello, everyone. As a listener of the Status Life with Lita podcast, you already know I'm attorney Derek Hayes. I've been practicing law in the state of Georgia now for over 26 years. My firm specializes in cases involving personal injury, catastrophic injury, nursing home abuse, and any other situation where someone was injured by the negligence of others. As I've said before, if insurance companies ever resolve claims the way they should, I'd be out of a job. But I'm not worried about that happening. Did you know insurance adjusters are trained to pay you as little as possible to protect their company's bottom line? They say they're genuinely concerned about you, but really the goal is to settle the claim with you for far less money than you deserve. My job is to make sure they pay the full value of your claim and nothing less. You can speak directly with me by calling my office at 404-777-HURT, visit my website at DerekMHayes.com, or check out my social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to catch my podcast, Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. I look forward to speaking with you. Hey there, welcome back. All right, we've got Chris Sullivan on the phone chatting with me today about an adventure, a crazy adventure that we took and actually met in Guatemala. Uh, Chris, I've got to mention, and this just dawned on me, we were listening to the commercial uh, about five strands, and you told me as we were hiking one of these volcanoes that you purchased the five strands tests for you and your family. That, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. I, I learned about it from your podcast. I love it. And everybody in your family did the test, and you even said, I got this crazy long report and how overwhelming it was, but overwhelming in a good way because you learned so much. It was. And, and it's just part of, I guess, who I am. And also, you know, constantly just looking at different uh, areas of fitness and health and lifestyle. And 
my wife and I did it. I actually bought it for her unbeknownst and, and we did it. And um, it was really interesting in terms of the feedback. And there were some things I expected, but there were a lot of, of results in there that really opened my eyes and impacted um, you know, moving forward, some of my dietary, some of the things I, I eat and then shy away from. And a lot of it, there were some aha moments like, OK, mm. I get that now. Why if I eat that or drink that the next day, maybe I'm not feeling great. So it, it definitely connected some dots. Yeah, it really does. It did the same for me as well. And I know Derek also. Um, he We've all done the test. We did it for our family, our children and lots of our friends have all uh, ordered the test since then. All right, we now are going to dive deep. We've brushed on it. We've talked a little bit about it, but we're going to talk about how we met and the connection here, which is kidney donor athletes. And I know the mission of KDA. I know it in getting ready for Guatemala and all the press and the fundraising. Uh, but you are the vice president. I want you to explain to everyone listening what is KDA's mission and how are we not just saying the mission, but we are actually living the mission with all these challenges? Yeah, so really the, the bottom line for KDA is, is it's twofold. It is to provide education and awareness and advocacy for living kidney donation, um, to dispel myths and just get the word out there that you live as full a life after donation than you do before the human body functions literally on 25% of kidney function. So you can live a full life with half a kidney. So when you have one kidney, you actually have 50% more than you need. So the human body is amazing in that it functions fully on one healthy kidney. Um, there's a huge need out there. There's 100,000 people uh, on the living, I'm sorry, the, the waiting list for living donation. And you know, unfortunately, there's anywhere from 10 to 13 people die every day waiting for a kidney. So it's a need and it can be solved. So Kidney Donor Athletes was founded by Tracy Hewlett in 2018. Um, and it, it's all about getting that awareness and advocacy. And it's also a place where living donors who have any type of an athletic you know, mindset. And that can be from people who run ultra marathons all the way to people who walk the dog around the, the park on the weekend. It doesn't matter if you like to move in any way and you're a kidney donor. It's a great place, um, network and community for those who have donated to come together, share stories and support each other. You climbed Kilimanjaro last year and you summited on World Kidney Day. Talk to us a little bit about that incredible adventure. Yeah, it was, you know, all these kidney climbs are amazing. So I have been really fortunate in that I have been part of the two. I was part of the first one in Kilimanjaro, uh, March of 22, and then this second one in Guatemala with you and, and the other 17. So Kilimanjaro was special in that it was the first and that we had a, a big group. There were 22 of us and, and we got 19 of the 22 to the top on World Kidney Day. Um, it, it's a big deal. It's a six day hike up and it's a two day hike down. It's a big mountain. It's just under 20,000 feet, um, sits in Tanzania on the Kenyan Tanzania border in Africa. And, uh, we went with the same outfitter that, that supported us in, in Guatemala in bark exploration. And, uh, you got a taste of what they do. They do a fantastic job. And it was just a really a great way to, once again, show the world that, that you could do amazing things. And it really got the ball rolling with these advocacy climbs and these adventures and trips and different types of, of treks that uh, kidney donor athletes sponsors to 
promote awareness and education and advocacy. So R1 Kidney Climb was a three-volcano summit in Guatemala. I mentioned you and I met in person. We had chatted on the phone a few times, you know, with everybody on Zoom calls. But the whole group met for the first time, uh, The you know, coming from the airport, some of us, and, and meeting in the town of Antigua. I have had a really hard time putting into words just how incredible that trip was. When you get back and someone will say, well, how was it? And you know, they're just looking for, it's like going to the beach. Like, oh, it was great, but it's not. Uh, it's this long, I just want to pour my heart out and say it was, it was just this absolutely life-changing, incredible adventure. Chris, explain to the listeners about the physical part, the physical challenges that we took during that week in Guatemala. Yeah, so it the name says it all, Three Volcano Challenge, and it's designed to be a challenge because we want to show that post-donation, you can still do hard things. And it was hard. It was hard. You know, so the first climb <laughs> really was, hard. you know, right. <laughs> the first climb was Pacaya Volcano, and that was a warm-up, uh, just three or four miles, uh, just to kind of give everybody, get their legs under them and and uh, give us a taste of what it's like to to climb one of these volcanoes. And uh, that was pretty special. And then day two, it, it gets serious. Uh, um, Akatanango was, you know, three or 4,000 vertical feet, um, pretty much straight up through the cloud forest, not a ton of switchbacks. So it, it's a pretty aggressive climb and you're getting up to 12 and a half thousand feet. So, you know, for those coming from low level, uh, that's definitely a, a big jump uh, in altitude. So you've got that. You just also have you know, the different climates that you're going through. And then we slept on the mountain that night. And that's always difficult because you're not sleeping a lot. And then they got us up, even though we weren't able to summit that morning early because of the weather, you're still awake at 3.30 in the morning. So you're not sleeping a ton. And then we did get up and cl uh, the clouds finally cleared. And we just had this beautiful morning with um, broken clouds as we did finally make it up to 13 and a half thousand feet. So it's steep, it's hard. And then we had one travel day and then we went on to the big enchilada and that mm -hmm. was um, uh, Atitlan. So it's 5,500 vertical feet. Once again, almost straight up. It's basically five hours of continuous walking up. <laughs> yes. um, that puts it in perspective. And we got to the top and we had about 10 minutes of good weather and then a hurricane force winds and clouds blew in and uh, I think it was probably 40 or 50 mile an hour sustained winds and cloudy. And we hung out up there for about a half an hour and took some pictures and enjoyed the summit as much as we could. And then it was another five hours down. So that's, that's a long day. That's, that was a 12 hour round trip, a lot of elevation, a lot of altitude gain. And, you know, by the end of it, you're exhausted mentally, physically, but what a sense of accomplishment. And it it's, I agree with you. It is hard to put in words. And it's one of those that for those of us who were there, we have that bond and we have forever will have that. And all you can do is just try to, you know, the word I use is epic and it was fantastic. And we, we accomplished what we set out to do, but it is, it's really difficult to describe to those who weren't there. It really is. And I think that's what bonds us together even more. It's not the time that we spent well, it is the time that we spent. I'm saying this the wrong way. 
And it's the fact that we're all kidney donors. But it's also that we went through this incredible challenge together, and you can't explain it. It was wonderful and challenging and exhausting and, you know, belly laughs at times. It was everything. It was every emotion yeah. that you can possibly have lumped into six or seven days. And you can't describe it, but you, we, those that we shared it with understand it. And that, to me, is where the bond really strengthens. So I want to tell one story. So we, we do a lot of Status Life with Lita shows about fear. I've done a lot about overcoming fear. And this was really a standout moment for me on the trip. And, Chris, I very seriously doubt you even know this story because it, it happened to me, and, and I kept it a little bit private. Julie probably knows because she was my roommate. But it was, well, Joyce was my main roommate, but the night that we were on Akatenango sleeping in those little shacks, um, Julie mm -hmm. and I uh, paired up and, and she was with me. So we're on Akatenango and how high was our camp that night? Were we at 11,000 something? I think we were at probably closer to 12, 12, 12 and a half thousand. That's really high. Okay. I need you guys to understand altitude sickness is real. Uh, my roommate, Julie, was very, very sick that night. I was very worried about her. She had all the symptoms. I wasn't certain that she was telling Louisa and the other guides how sick she was. She had a pounding headache. She had told me her extremities were going numb, uh, you know, stomach issues. And there's really no way to help that, to combat the, as bad as she was feeling, except to get down. And that wasn't the plan. The plan was to go up even higher. So, you know, I'm, I'm helping her and trying to tend to her as best I can. So we're in these little shacks. Now, I have to paint the picture. There's no heat. There's no water. There's no bathroom. You have to go really far down this little path if you have to use the restroom. And you should probably go there because you're drinking so much water. We all have one kidney. We're all trying to stay hydrated. You're all trying to take really good care of yourself. But when you try to stay hydrated, that means you have to go to the bathroom, which was not an easy thing to do on the side of a volcano with winds whipping you and it was freezing and it's dark. There's no light. And so it's just this moment of, okay, this is really challenging. So it was about one o'clock in the morning and I believe I had fallen asleep and at some point, and Julie said, I got to go to the bathroom, which I was worried about. You know, she was very sick. And I never heard her come in because I was asleep. And so I sat straight up. And I honestly thought Julie had passed out because I never heard her come in. I knew it had been an hour, maybe two hours. And I knew how sick she was. And I thought, well, fainting or this could be very real with altitude sickness. Julie was not in the room. I didn't know where anyone was. I didn't know where Louisa was. Like, I just felt like I needed help. And when you're in that moment and it's pitch dark, can't see your hand in front of your face, my heart rate, it went to a 10. I mean, my adrenaline was pumping so hard. There's no cell phone service. It's the pitch dark and you have no one to help you. And now you think your roommate has died in the toilet. Like, it was, it, I just, it was a really, really scary moment for me in an anxiety and a fear component. Like I didn't know what to do. And so I had to, you know, kind of put, I rolled and kind of put my hands down. I thought, all right, I got to go check on Julie. That's the first and foremost. And she was next to me and I <laughs> scared the tar out of her. I, when I went to kind of push off and roll over, I, I grabbed her and she screamed really loud. And anyway, so it, it turned out to be a funny moment. But what I want to talk about is the fear of just sitting there and thinking, what am I doing here? 
how did I end up in Guatemala with 18 strangers at 12,000 feet of elevation with no way to contact the outside world and I'm about to have an anxiety attack? And that's not a good thing, right? If I can't control this, I'm going to have to get help and I don't even know where help is. And I just want everyone to know it, it felt really, really scary and yet I controlled it. I calmed down, I laid down, I went into prayer, I did, you know, I just, I got through it. But I will tell you, that next morning, I felt like I had just conquered Survivor, or Naked and Afraid, or any, you know, it just felt like, I just felt, I felt kind of like a badass. Like, that was a really challenging night. You're awake about every hour, people walking by, going to the restroom, my roommate's really sick, the wind's whipping, and yet, I, I did it. We all did it. It wasn't just me. So to go from where I really could have panicked and really let anxiety get the best of me and question what I was even doing there to finishing all three summits and having the week of my life. And had I let anxiety or fear get the best of me, I wouldn't even have gone. And yet I went and still conquered it. So I just, I share that story because it's so important to what this podcast is about. Even getting myself on that trip, it was a... I didn't let fear. You know, I had a lot of reluctance from people, especially my parents. Oh, that country is not safe. Or, oh, you know, what are you going to – it's too hard. You can't do it. And I just I, – I don't, I don't listen to any of that. And I did it, and we all did it, and it was amazing. So I just wanted that story to be out there to just show one way that, that I conquered fear. All right. I want to go back to the third night, Chris, and the third mm -hmm. summit. And you touched on it um, going through what we did all week. For me, that was one of the most grueling things I've ever done. And mm -hmm. I'm a 50K, you know, ultra runner. How did you feel after we completed that? You've done Killy. You've done really, really hard things. Go to a Titlin and talk about that 12-hour day and yeah. specifically your uh, your journey, your your day, and the way that you felt co uh, completing that. Yeah. So just for everyone listening, the day starts at two thirty in the morning. Uh, you wake up, uh, three o'clock, cup of coffee, couple snacks. You meet everybody, and then we load up in the back of pickup trucks, um, and literally in the open bed back pickup trucks at at three a.m. We're getting transported through town and, and up to the trailhead. And at about 3.30 a.m., we start walking in the dark. And all you can see is you have a headlamp and you see um, the person in front of you, uh, their feet, basically. That's about it. And you're in a jungle, basically, the cloud forest. And we do that for about three hours. So, you know, going up for me uh, was really, uh, I felt good. I felt strong, didn't have any issues. Um, coming down. I was tired. My knees were hurting, especially the last uh, few hours. Uh, definitely really started to feel some discomfort in my knees. And by that time, you're just also mentally fatigued. You've been hiking nonstop for about 10 or 11 hours. And um, you're just really starting to think, you know, can I do this? Am I going to make it? Uh, you know, there's really no other option. So, yes, you're going to make it. And this is one of the places where I really then feed off the energy of the group in that we're there together. We're doing a challenge. This is supposed to be hard. It is hard, but yet we're doing it successfully. And at no point did anyone break down, throw a fit, get negative. It was really, we all stayed positive. We all helped and supported each other. Um, but 
you know, I finished, I finished with a smile on my face, but I was tired. I was very tired. My knees were hurting. And, um, but it was what a sense of accomplishment. Did you and also say bittersweet sense of a little bit of sadness because that was it. That was the last climb. And it's, it's always a little bit sad because you're at the end. No, I completely agree with that. Did you run out of water on that hike? No, I did no. not actually. Oh, I know a bunch lucky. of people did. Yes. I um I have a big big uh bladder in my backpack and so I think it's a 3 plus liter mm. bladder. I was down to the last, you know, ounces, but I had a little bit left. Gotcha. I have 2 liter and then I had a handheld all gone and I took some of AJ's cuz I think he has a 5 liter. Yeah. And it, he has a huge bladder in that big military pack he carries. And I, it, even that I ran out of. So, it, but it, close to being finished. I didn't run out on the way up. I, I, it's okay to run out on the way down um, as long as, yeah. you know, you can get down. So, no, I agree. Uh, and I agree about the sadness. It was definitely the week coming off of that trip. Um, I definitely want to see if you felt the same way uh, because... I got home and I, I went into maybe a little mini depression. I was ju- uh-huh. just the blues, right? Yeah. I, it wasn't depression. It can't be, it wasn't that severe, but I had the blues all week. It was, it was so much work and prep and excitement and training leading up to this trip. And it, and then the trip, it was everything. And you get home and it, I don't know. I, I missed everyone. Um, did you feel the same way? Absolutely. Okay. I had the benefit of, uh, I knew what to expect because I had mm. it coming off of Kilimanjaro and I call it the post climb blues or the post climb depression lasts about a week or so. Yep. And you're just kind of lost in terms of you spend this amazing week, you know, and you, all the ramp up, like you said, the energy and, you know, everything re- leading up to it and all the media and pushing it and letting people know and trying to get the word out. And then it shows up and you're there and, it's an amazing trip and, and everything really went well. And, and uh, we had, for the most part, with the exception of one or two, everybody was was uh, was able to do all the climbs. And we just had, you know, fantastic uh, logistics and everything worked. And then all of a sudden it's over and you kind of go into a bit of a, you know, mental, like you said, the blues. That's a really way to yeah. describe it. Just kind of blue uh, from a standpoint of wow, did that even happen? And it went so fast. And what do I do now? What's next? And, you know, so like I said, I had the benefit of, of kind of knowing it was coming so I could prepare myself. It happened, you know, it's still, I still experienced it, but um, I, I had the benefit of, of knowing, you know, a little bit how to deal with it and um, was able to, you know, get through it. And, you know, once again, we had a lot of texting going on amongst the group afterwards, which definitely helped. And, you know, continuing to do some media afterwards as well, you know, being able to share that with everyone. Even today. Today is some yes. of our follow-up media. Absolutely. Uh, and Christmas, you know, we did the the track uh, the first week of December. And so for me to get home, which is why I didn't do how some of the KDA stayed and did some of the ruins and that. Uh-huh. Um, my children are younger, and I just felt the push that it, it being Christmas that I just really needed to get home and and get into mommy mode and get everything ready as we were hosting, and and that was a good distraction. I, I have said to many people, this would be really hard if we did this trek and this adventure in January or February to come home and really feel the blues, you know, the winter blues that you feel anyways. So it was nice to have the distraction of Christmas. I think that that definitely helped pull me out of it. 
So I want to ask you something, Chris, and I'm laughing because I'm really going to put you in the hot seat here. <laughs> All right. I, yeah, this. <laughs> so I told Derek about this even while I was on the trip because you made me feel really strong. You, it was probably started at Pacaya and definitely as we were going up Akatenango, you kept looking at me. We would, you know, you have to pause as we're acclimating and we're taking breaks and we're taking the jackets and the gloves off. Um, I'm just saying that so everyone knows kind of how, how the climb goes. But you kept saying, you're just doing amazing. You're killing it. You're, you're doing great. And you kept really pumping me up. And I looked at you multiple times and I said, what are you talking about? I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I'm doing the same thing she's doing. But I don't know. You just had this way that you just... I didn't know if it was because I live at sea level, if, <laughs> if it was because like I wasn't expected to do that good because I, I might have the altitude issues or if I was just really strong or, or if you did that to everyone and I just didn't notice. Like, is that just your coaching way? But it really had an impact on my climb. I felt, I remember even telling Derek after one of the climbs, you know, I call him from the rooftop and I said, I don't know. I just, they just kept complimenting me and Chris just kept saying how strong I was. And I just, it, it made me feel so good. So tell me the climb is over. Are, were you coaching or was I really doing well up there? Both. Okay. So keep in mind that, you know, I was the leader of this, this group. So this, this trip was mine. I was the, the, the leader and it's really important for me that everyone had an amazing experience and we got uh, as many, if not everybody, to the top of these volcanoes. And so that is just kind of the natural coaching in me in terms of um, support and coaching. Now, that being said, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. And I had my eye on a few people and you were one of them, um, the, what I call the sea level team. You know, those basically not C in grade level, but C in terms of living at right. C, C level, level. Sure. In, in terms of just kind of, you know, I had talked to Carrie and Louisa and we had all agreed that we wanted to watch out for those that were coming from C level just to look for, make sure that everything was going well. And I meant what I said. You were always at the front of the pack. You were chatty and talking which is a great sign because if you're talking while you're climbing that means that you're doing pretty well and you killed it and so absolutely i was really impressed with how you showed up and you know just climbed these volcanoes um if you were hurting you hit it well but you did a great job well thank you that that really means a lot especially to have trained as hard as i did and I did some work on my body the entire week before. I did some cellular level work. I found a nurse with multiple different machines. I don't even know what they're called. So I'm not going to try to know the science behind <laughs> this. But she changed my mitochondria. She okay. took me with an oxygen. Uh, it was a one-hour oxygen regimen. She took my body up to 21,000 feet. And yeah. watched me and watched my O2 levels and, you know, kind of acclimated me up and acclimated me down. And I went to see her the every single day before the week, lead, the, uh, the week leading up to it. Sorry. Um, and I, I think it helped. I was really worried about living at sea level and, and altitude sickness being the worst. I will tell you, I suffer from migraines anyways in life. I always have. 
since I was a teenager. And my biggest concern about this trip was not that I could or couldn't do it was, am I going to get altitude sick? Are the migraines going to take me out of this? And so there were multiple times I pulled Louisa aside and I said, I have a headache. Because she would, she had a great spiel every morning. If you feel anything, you tell me, you tell me. And I took, you know, the medicines that I need to take. I know my body. I know when I can handle the pain and when I couldn't. And I, I pushed through it. Every time I had one, I, I just pushed through it and, and took the medicine. Um, sometimes migraines get so severe you can't push. Yeah. But anyways, I'm glad you didn't notice. That means I, I held my toughness. And I, am, I, I prefer to hike in the front. Um, it's mental for me. I do that when I race and when I run. I have to be in the front. If you put me in caboose, I will fall apart. It is 100% mental. It really is. I like yeah, well, to be out front, a- and, and that way I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit, and then there's people behind me chasing me, which means I can't slow down. So it's just the way that I, it's the way that I compete. And um, not that this was a competition, but I found myself much more comfortable climbing in the front knowing that I could do it. So it's just, it's just what got me through. So, um, All right. I want you to just, what do you want to leave our listeners with? Is it KDA? Is it our mission? Is it coaching? The mic is yours. Give us some inspiration as we wrap up. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, thank you for having me. I think I want to leave everybody with the mindset of if, if this conversation that we've had has sparked even the slightest interest in living donation, or even on a bigger, you know, just health and lifestyle and well-being, I encourage you, you know, this is a phrase that Brian came up with literally on the trek in Guatemala. You know, take the next step, be the next one. Do something. Talk to someone. Look it up. Do some research. uh, Reach out. Ask a question. Um, There's such a need. And I will tell you that one of the, the sayings I use is kidney donation saved my life. Um, yes, I donated a kidney and saved someone else's life. And, you know, uh, also a chain that, that allowed three or four other people to, to have a, get a kidney. But kidney donation saved my life in regards to it opened my eyes to a lot of things. It brought a whole new group of amazing people into my life. I often say I donated my angry kidney. Um, I'm not angry anymore. I used to run around and was somewhat, you know, angry. I was pretty hard charging and and donation opened my eyes to really what's important in life. And so it's as much saving other people's lives as giving of yourself, whether that's an organ, blood, marrow, time, volunteering, getting your physical, mental uh, life in order. It's amazing. And I encourage everyone, um, take the next step, you know, be the next one. Oh, that was so beautiful. I just got chills when you said it because I was a part of it. Yeah, and you were. Yeah, we got to, to use that statement. And I can't wait to see the documentary. I'll definitely link it to the podcast when Brian's done with all of his work. And, and he was amazing. Those of us on the trip, Brian was the uh, there get, documenting the whole mm-hmm. trip. And so all of this uh, will be shared. There's a, there's a documentary coming out? There is. Yes. Oh, yes. that's going to be great. Uh, amazing. Ah, so exciting. I am flabbergasted and shocked to find out that even at 12,000 feet, Lita was chatty. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. You were laughing when he said it. 
<laughs> I said, you, you may have just met Lita, but you, you know her well. <laughs> yeah. So oh. before, we, we, before we ask Chris how people can follow KDA and, and, and support it and so forth, Lita, you mentioned at the top of the show that you've got something up uh, special planned for your blog and podcast. What is season five? What kind of surprises can we look forward to? Oh, it's so exciting. All right. This is something, it came to me after much thought, much consideration, much prayer, and then it also came really quickly. And so without going into the huge backstory of how this came to be, a little bit is what we talked about at the top of the show, and it's that feedback from Austin at Five Strands and how I will be the guinea pig, and I will talk about it. You've said that, and I'm not afraid. I will put myself out there and be vulnerable and hopefully be extremely authentic with whatever I'm going through. And so starting on January 1st, 2024, through December 31st, 2024, I am going to take a 365-day deep dive into personal development, mind, body, soul, healing, whatever that looks like. And that's going to be where the organic portion of this comes in. I want to try different things physically, whether that's an exercise regimen, a running program, um, a, a certain diet. Uh, I've seen my doctor, you know, kind of going through some issues, and, and she gave me, physically wrote down, I want you to try E2M, which is eager to motivate. It's an eight-week health and nutrition program. And I've been kind of floundering on all this stuff, and I'll try this, and I'll try that, and I tried Weight Watchers, and that didn't work, and I tried intermittent fasting, and that didn't work. And But here's the thing. I've never shared any of that. I mean, we've taught, we've had nutritionists on the show, we've had nurses on the show, so I'm doing it, but let's really do it. Let's take the whole season. I'm going to blog about it. I'm going to Instagram about it. What works and what doesn't work. While you're doing it. Absolutely. It's going to be a 365-day deep dive. And I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know what I'm going to say yes to. But I'm going to try to say yes to everything along the way. Specifically, I've been invited on a spiritual retreat in February. I said, yes, let's go see what that's all about. I was invited to a women's Christian conference in January. Let's go see what that's all about. Let's just see. So we'll feel like we're with you the entire The way. whole time. And I hope if some of it doesn't work, you know, we'll, we'll talk about why intermittent fasting did not work for me. We'll talk about what I didn't like about Weight Watchers. These are amazing programs. Some people have phenomenal success. But that's the point of guinea pigging it. And talking about it. And it's not just diet, and it's not just nutrition. Um, But that's a huge component. That's the body. And then there's the mind. We're going to declutter. We're going to do a 30-day decluttering challenge. So the idea is each month will be a different challenge. Each month will be, yes, it'll be organic with with structure so it's not completely loosey-goosey, right? We're going to talk about January. It's going to be the reset Probably do some kind of body cleanse, you know, get the holidays and all the junk out of your system, do the decluttering. In February, um, let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about love. Let's use Valentine's Day as, as the jump off point. So along the way, eating right, uh, reading great self-help books. Well, I just, I just want to see where it goes. I have all these great ideas and I think it's 
really interesting because I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to do all the work and tell everybody what I think about it. All right. So how can everyone follow you and get on this 365 deep dive with you? Let's do it. All right. Status Life with Lita. It's the name of the podcast. It's the name of Instagram. Go there. And if you have anything you want to submit as far as questions, any recommendations, health, wellness, a book, a retreat, statuslifewithlita at gmail.com. That's my email address. Uh, but that's the best way. The stories on Instagram and the reels. Instagram's going to be the number one place all the content is being pushed out. Okay. Your guest today has been Chris Sullivan with yes. Kidney Donor Athletes. Uh, Chris, how can our listeners follow KDA? Uh, join if they want to be a donor, if they want to watch some of the adventures, or if they want to donate to your missions? Yeah, so the, the best way is is our website, uh, www.kidneydonorathletes.org. Uh, we list all of the climbs there, everything we're doing. There's a place to donate. We are a 501c3, uh, and so you know any donations are appreciated, so we continue our good work of sponsoring these type of events and, and education, advocacy, and awareness. Um, and the next one's coming up. So uh, One Kidney Climb 3 is in March. There's a group of 15 going back to Africa to do Kilimanjaro again. Wow. I kind of want to do it. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I, Natalie was pushing me hard to go on that Kili trip. And I said, no, no, no. I want Guatemala. And I'm glad. I, I said, I want Guatemala to stand alone. And it was really challenging. But now I'm so desperate for what's next. I just want to go. I don't know. But something is next. You and I talked a lot over the week about some of the KDA yep. adventures coming up this year and in years to come. So I will definitely stay on the adventure train. Chris, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. And I want to thank you for all that you do to spread Kidney Donor Athletes' mission. I appreciate it, and it has just been my pleasure to get to know you and call you my friend. Pleasure is all mine, uh, and ditto to everything. It, it's been fantastic to get to know you, and I appreciate all you're doing. Love your podcast, and keep up the good work, and so thank you so much. <laughs> well, we want to thank Chris, and we want to thank Lita, of course. And a reminder, that Status Life with Lita, you can enjoy the podcast anytime we're on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. Also, all previous four seasons are archived on businessradiox.com. Just go to that website, select the Gwinnett Studio, and click on Status Life with Lita. Season 5 coming up. The new episode will be debuting in late January. So, for Lita, for Derek, get well, Derek. We'll see you next time. I'm Mike Salmon, and you've been listening to Status Life with Lita here on Business Radio X. 